Sometimes the light in you frustrates the demons in others. And what I mean by that is sometimes you are destined to do something great. Sometimes you're focused on bringing change, but sometimes people don't like the change because it makes them uncomfortable. But it's okay within that frustration to frustrate them. The goal is to make sure you're doing what's best for your organization, for your students, and for your clientele. And once you understand that, getting that pushback doesn't bother you as much anymore. Welcome to the Beyond Speaking podcast from Premier Speakers Bureau, featuring in-depth conversations with the world's most in-demand keynote speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, president of Premier Speakers Bureau, and today we have with us Michael Bonner, who is just this, we're just, we just had a meeting about how outstanding the 2022 has been for, for him and for us and for all the audience that he's spoken to. He's been on Ellen uh, DeGeneres multiple times, NBC Nightly News, he's been honored by the Ashton Kutcher Foundation all kinds of awards, uh, an amazing teacher at Ron Clark Academy. And so we're really excited to have you here. I'm glad to be here, but I, I love coming here every time, you know, Premier is such a outstanding company, getting me beautiful individuals like yourself, because I believe he has the coolest name in the world. I wish I could make it mine, but I'm excited to be here, man. I, yeah, uh, Michael Bond is pretty awesome, too. I'm excited. Uh, but thank you, though. So, so obviously, you're at the Ron Clark Academy now, one yes. of the most well-known schools in the country, mm -hmm. but you didn't come from there. No. So tell me, tell me where you came from okay. and, and why you left. Okay, so for everyone to know, I was originally at South Greenville Elementary in Greenville, North Carolina, very beautiful school, um, full of unique and beautiful individuals. But what happens is there's just a lot of things that go on outside of education that can affect the education system. So while I was there, I had 14 different principals in six years. Mm. Um, I had four or five different teams. Um, and what ended up happening was the environment was just so bad, for the lack of better words, I had to come to a point to figure out how can I make my situation better? Um, because the outside piece of it wasn't getting any better. So I just started to work on things inside of my classroom, you know, building those better relationships with the kids and the parents, trying to learn and become a master of my content to do things differently, especially in the education system where we've still been doing some of the same things for the past 50 years. And you start to see that change happen inside of the classroom. And that is when my career really began to propel and take off. And I'm grateful for that beautiful, outstanding school. When you are doing things differently, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've heard this before, you start doing things really well and you're surrounded by people who aren't doing things well. Yes. Did you get pushback from leaders or others there? Always. I, I tell people all the time that when you're trying to do something different at a high level, you have to expect opposition because it's not the norm. If you look at all the outliers in the world, the Kobe Bryants who were taking and trying to make a thousand shots per day during the summer. When you look at LeBron James who spends $1.5 million uh, or almost $2 million on his body every year. When you look at individuals and inventors like Elon Musk who will sleep in the factory while his people are working to let them know the leadership <laughs> is there. Everybody that tries to do something great, there's going to be pushback. But there's a quote that I've come across and uh, it stays within my mind and it says this, that sometimes the light in you frustrates the demons in others. And what I mean by that is sometimes you are destined to do something great. Sometimes you're focused on bringing change, but sometimes people don't like the change because it makes them uncomfortable. But it's okay within that frustration to frustrate them. The goal is to make sure you're doing what's best for your organization, for your students and for your clientele. And once you understand that, getting that pushback doesn't bother you as much anymore. What made you okay with that? Like some people, they, yeah. they get that, they'll stop. What made you okay with being different? Because I think at the end of the day, we all have a legacy we're building. You, you know, you are creating memories and moments that people will remember about you. And I know for me, every time I encounter someone, I want them to be like, hey, you know what, Michael Bonner, that was one hell of a guy, right? He, <laughs> did you remember what he said at that speech? I don't remember the other 40 minutes, but that last closing piece, 
that, that, that is what I think life is about. It's so short. And I think COVID showed that to us. And as we continue to transition forward and look forward, I think life should be about creating powerful moments and creating powerful experiences that people can glean from and, and take something from. Now, you speak to people who are not just teachers. Yes. You talk to administrators as well. Yes. What message would you have to administrators right now about what they can do moving into 2023 and beyond? I think leadership needs to understand that um, one, of the biggest makes you, one of the biggest mistakes you can make right now is doing things that you were doing before COVID and trying to bring them in now. Um, that particular Black Swan event created a moment of opportunity for change. If you look inside of the entire world, the work from home model, um, the the embrace, uh, the embracement of Internet and technology across our society, we're learning that now is the time for change. So with that change, one of the best things you can do is introduce new innovative practices. OK, um, take off things off the plate that aren't working anymore, that are meaningless, that are monotonous. And more importantly, get in the actual arena with your stakeholders and say, hey, let's figure this out collectively together. Because burnout is at such a high rate right now, people are looking for individuals to join them in the fight and not just tell them, hey, I need you to do this. And when you have people that are with you and leadership that is with you, man, you'll have people jumping over the Empire State <laughs> Building to try to make sure they make that mission and that vision statement you have for your company come true. I'm really glad you brought up burnout because yes. that is a huge thing. It doesn't matter if you're corporate America, yeah. at home, yeah. you're like, I'm done with the kids, yes. you know, at school. How, what advice do you give to people in dealing with burnout? Whether it's administrators themselves, mm -hmm. working with teachers, teachers themselves, kids. It's so many avenues that it, or areas that it affects mm -hmm. in, in the educational world. Mm -hmm. What advice? So I would think, uh, it would say for me, because I experienced burnout myself, one of the best things you can do is, number one, create boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> create boundaries. People often forget that no is a complete sentence, right? <laughs> so for me, I've learned that creating boundaries is going to be essential because as we are in this current economic environment and possibly facing a recession, burnout is going to continually increase. Facebook and other companies are just released. They're laying off 10 to 11,000 workers per week. Big tech companies are laying off people. So that burnout is going to happen and continue to increase as other individuals have to pick up the workload for those people. So creating those boundaries is going to be essential. And more, more importantly, number two, creating some type of routine for yourself. For me, I have learned that if I have to be at work at eight, I personally get up at six and I make sure the first 30 minutes I drink me a nice gigantic thing of water about this size right here. <laughs> I wake my system up and I literally lay there and prepare myself for the day. I go through my devotional. I go through my routine, my affirmations. I get my suit out. And by doing that, I'm setting my self-care and, and commanding my day to make sure I'm giving my organization I work for, the nonprofit organization, the best of me. Mm -hmm. So boundaries and routines, boundaries and routines will actually help you be more effective and fight against that burnout. To your routine, you may add in, I'm going to listen to a podcast on the way to work. You may add in, hey, I'm going to do a book club on a particular book that we're studying to make sure our stakeholders are improving themselves. The most important thing is, are you studying those boundaries and are you actually creating those routines? Mm -hmm. What are some of the most common boundaries you see that, that teachers should have, but they don't have? <sighs> hmm. I think... One of the biggest boundaries teachers have to understand is creating boundaries for times for you to do moments of nothingness, to do moments of nothingness. I think people do not understand the power in that as an as a business owner, as an entrepreneur and as a teacher, my mind is constantly moving. 
And one of the boundaries I have for myself is on Saturdays when I can, I am doing absolutely nothing that day. <laughs> I am on the couch with a blanket, with some hot tea. I'm, I'm, I'm watching Netflix. I may, just, I may just sit in complete silence. I may take four naps that day, but the goal <laughs> is <laughs> to allow myself to do absolutely nothing and listen to my body. Mm-hmm. And as a teacher, you're always on the go. You've graded papers. Oh, I have to reach out to the parents. Once you reach out to the parents, I have to plan my lessons for tomorrow. Up, oh, we have state testing coming next week. Up, oh, this kid was having a bad day, and your mind is always moving. And the reality of it is, we can't go 100% 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. You have to cut it off. You have to cut it off. And you have to charge yourself the same way we charge our phones, our electric vehicles, and everything else. You have to create those points of time where you can shut things off and actually take care of yourself. Moments of nothingness is important. And you're, you're somebody that is a great planner. I, it, seems, it seems like, yeah. how do you plan your day? What advice do you give to teachers as they're planning their day? Yeah, so for me, you know, we have a pretty set schedule at the Ron Clark Academy. It changes every single day at times based upon what's happening at the school. Um, but for me, what I've learned is that I have uh, power moments. And what do I mean by that? So on days where I'm planning or I may have a day off, what I will do is I will set my routine, wake up in the morning, right? And I will try to set a schedule. So if I'm going to work for two hours, in that two hour time span, 30 minutes, I'm focusing on what I'm focusing on, my to-do list. Then I'm gonna take a 30 minute break. I'm gonna let myself relax, check social media, read the news, look at the stock market, check up on some friends, make calls to my family. Next 30 minutes, I'm right back at giving it my full 100% attention and I'm drilling it and knocking it out. Then I'm gonna take another 20 minute break. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned is by segmenting my my work time, it gives me the opportunity to be more effective because I don't know about you or any other any individuals that listen to this particular podcast. What happens is we'll sit there and we'll say, hey, I'm going to go work for six hours. And more than likely, some days you get your task done and some days you don't. But you have <laughs> six hours. Right. Yeah. So I've learned when I'm setting myself those different moments of power hours of working or power moments of working, it allows me to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. How did you do things before? Was there ever a time where oh, you were just a mess? Gosh, yes, for <laughs> sure. Oh my you just gosh, came out, of the, came out of the womb that Listen, way. Listen, it's perfectly. It's, yeah, times yeah. I was. It was times. I, oh my gosh, it was moments where you were. For example, when I say I will build a new speech, right, and I will go to the coffee shop and I'm there for six hours and I'm still on the introduction in the first point. And that's because I got distracted, the ADHD kicked in, and I'm, oh, the coffee, that chocolate muffin looks amazing right now. I think I want one. <laughs> Somebody calls, you know. So in those spaces, I've learned I need to segment times so I can really get after it, really attack my plan for the day, put my phone on do not disturb during those power moments. And then take moments of a break where I go outside and walk and breathe in the fresh air, re-energize myself and get back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the other things you do in speaking with both teachers and administrators, learning what each of them like. Yes. If you were a teacher trying to get things done with an administrator, what advice would you give them? Teachers get things done with an administrator in regards to a task you're trying to complete together. Just, just however, they're, you know, whether it's the communication, yes. I mean, you talk about communication, culture. Yes. From each direction, I guess, yes. would be a good thing. Like, how do teachers get the most from administrators? How do administrators get the most from teachers? I think it has to, it has to rely on open communication. Um, some of the best administrators I've worked with from, you know, Lakeisha Lynch, Kim Beard, and Ron Clark, you know, Shonda Cherry, uh, Michael Greco, Jay Jester, they were all phenomenal at communication. Hey, this is the problem right now. How can we solve this? That's big. Not how can you. How can we solve this? And we have those moments of brainstorming collectively together. And through that brainstorming process and honest communication and talking to each other, you will learn what the real issues are. You will say, hey, well, from the teacher perspective, this is what I see what's burning everybody out. Hey, I get that. From the admin perspective, this is what I see has to get done. How can we do this efficiently without turning everybody off? And in that honest communication, 
That's when you begin to set the climate and the culture of the actual school building and make powerful things happen. The problem is right now, everybody's assuming I know what that person is thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what's going to work instead of getting that feedback. That's why one of the points now in my speech is how often do you actually solicit feedback? You know, education is the only business that we make decisions without actually asking the clientele that we serve every day, well, what do you like? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how does this make you feel? You know, we don't do that. And then we question why everybody's burning out because there's no communication and there's no data to support the initiatives that are being put in place. What are you most surprised at? Like when you're doing this, so I assume that you yeah. actually do ask your kids. Yeah. What, what's something that you are, have been, that they've surprised you with? I am a sixth grade ELA teacher reading and I also teach fourth grade social studies. My kids love when I read out loud to them. Mm. When I do not finish a read aloud, even for sixth grade, when I do not finish a read aloud, they let me hear it. <laughs> hey, we, haven't, we haven't went back to this chapter, Mr. Bonner. Like, what's happening here? Like, what's, what's going on? And also having more independent reading time. Yeah. Time to practice those skills that we've been teaching them. Um, and not just a worksheet where you're giving them to, to go through routines over and over again, but actually creating with the content. That's why in my sixth grade classroom, I'm going to bring it back. I had my students create a podcast one year. Mm. I was still teaching about the books we were learning, but now I need you to synthesize the content, get a camera, hire a videographer from the class, get a CEO, get a board of directors, and I want you to make an episode summarizing what I've taught you. And that was the most engagement I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. Wow, that's, that's cool. And do you find any like future producers out of that? Like, oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. Because they get to apply for something they think they're good at. So all those that like to doodle in class while I'm teaching, oh, graphic designer. So now we're getting it from just the old standard model of teaching and education to, okay, he's teaching them, but now he's tying in 21st century skills that are helping them cultivate the talents they need that the world is looking for in an upcoming year. So education and things can be so different right now, but the goal is will you have a leadership that is willing to step out and take an initiative and, and be aggressive with it? And will you have educators that will join the administration to actually bring that vision to pass? That's awesome. Where do you find the most joy in teaching? Where do I find the most joy in teaching? Well, since I work at the Ron Clark Academy, it is a, a nonprofit uh, organization, organization in the school. And every Thursday and Friday, we have teachers come to watch us teach. And some of the best moments are when I'm teaching. Anybody can tell teachers, you know, this works in your classroom. My position is different because when I speak about it in speeches, now I have to prove it to you while you're there. <laughs> so it's always fun when we have these, these moments of light, which I like to call them, where I've been telling them about a strategy and the kid will actually do it. And you can see the light bulb in the teacher's eyes go off. And it's like we're all are laughing and we're in community and they're watching me teach and lead this lesson and kids giving feedback and discourse with each other. Those are some of the best moments for me because it's making me back up what I preach, but it's also still educating a child who's going to go forth and be a phenomenal global leader one day. Mm -hmm. And you really just can't beat that. Yeah. You can't beat that at all. That's awesome. Um, what was your biggest shock hmm. coming and starting at the Ron Clark Academy? Biggest shock. What people do not know is um, when I first arrived there, um, Brian, I uh, didn't have a classroom. I didn't have a classroom. They hired five teachers. I didn't have a classroom to teach in. We were expanding the building. So that year, I had to share a classroom with Ron Clark himself <laughs> for an entire year. Sharing a classroom with your boss for an entire year. And what I had the opportunity to do was be a student all over again. I'm still a teacher, but I'm even more of a student now. He will tell you, I will go into his class and learn the content he's teaching, but also watch how he's teaching, how he's commanding the classroom, how he's handling behaviors, how he's learning the content beforehand to give it back to the students. And for me, that was the biggest shock because great teachers have phenomenal things to them. They are phenomenal with relationships, amazing. 
They are great with their content, but they also have a pace to how they teach. And if you can be phenomenal at your pace in teaching the content, you can create moments and experiences that kids will never forget. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest shock for me. I had to learn how to be an even better teacher while training teachers during an actual pandemic. <laughs> That's crazy. It <laughs> made me 20 times better though. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So last question. Yes. Uh, at the Ron Clark Academy, mm -hmm. who has the best classroom and why? I believe I have the best classroom at the Ron Clark <laughs> Academy. You know, Ron Clark has a Star Wars theme and Dr. Jones has uh, the beautiful elaborate uh, people from different movies and sitcoms and cartoons and things that she has uh, experienced in her life. But for my classroom, my classroom is called the Vortex of Innovation, and we're almost finished with it. <laughs> and in my classroom, I like it because in life, innovation is just a part of everything that we do. When was the last time you've been to a Western Union to transfer money? You have it. You're doing it through your cell phone now, right? Mm -hmm. At one point in time, a cell phone was just this big, giant brick phone with a, a, a inch by inch, you know, screen. <laughs> now the entire phone is a screen. So my classroom, I have, I can't wait for you to see it and for the, the listeners to see it. Um, and I'm going to leave that suspense there, but <laughs> one of the cool things about my classroom, the coolest things about my classroom is that it glows in the dark. So mm -hmm. when you actually arrive to the school and it's still dark in the morning, my class is glowing yeah. outside of the school and it creates this curiosity like what's happening and which is what innovation does, what's happening next. So I believe I have the best classroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, cool. Yes. Michael, thank you so thank much you. for coming on and being thank part you. of this. We really appreciate it. I appreciate you as always. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, visit premierspeakers.com. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen.